What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David Isaac and Candace. We are back with another postgame. Memphis Grizzlies beat the Detroit Pistons 126 to 111 in what was yet another dress rehearsal. And I know Candace, early in the game, she's hitting the panic button. A little bit worried because the starters are playing so many minutes this early in the preseason, or I guess threat not this early, like playing this many minutes in the preseason. It seems a little bit weird. Um, you know, it, it was to a lesser extent tonight. Uh, John Morant played just under 25 minutes, and everybody else was under that. So we didn't see the full 30-minute run that we did in the previous game. But it has to make you wonder – what is going on? Why are they playing the starter so much? Should this not have just been kind of a, a melted in game? Let's see what Roddy and Conchar and LaRavia and these other guys are going to be able to do. Well, it, it, it should have been, but that's uh, not what we got. And unfortunately, as a result, you know, Stephen Adams went out. I think with Nick Sorton is what they're called. And then he yeah. did walk off on his own power. So hopefully he's okay. But it's just the kind of thing you worry about with playing the start of so many minutes in his preseason. I think if you kind of read the tea leaves, hear what the, some of the guys are saying, Brandon Clark and his walk-off interview, some of the things that Taylor Dickens said after the last game, it seems like they're concerned about the start. I mean, they got out to a really tough start. I think they got down 16 in that first quarter in, in, the, in the game against Orlando the other night. And I think they're concerned about that. And I think that kind of leads to – taking it even further than what we were talking about on the last podcast, I think it's really important for them to get off to a better start because I think they might be concerned about the second unit um, and, and, and can they carry this team. Because there were times last year that we, we saw the starters struggle and that second unit was what carried this team and kept this team afloat until the starters were able to kind of take over there late, later in the game. And I'm not confident in the second unit as I was last year because, again, you don't have those. I, I, can't, I hate to keep hammering this, but you don't have those two veteran pieces and Kyle Anderson, the Anthony Melton, that kind of come in and cause havoc on the defensive end and guys that have just been there, done that, and, and, and understand these things. You have some younger guys and some guys that you haven't really seen do it consistently. Uh, I, I don't. I just think that I'm not as confident in that second unit. So it's going to be important that this team gets off to, to better starts because if the starters come out and get down to these leagues now, I'm not sure that second unit can come in and, and pull them back. I mean, there might be nights where it happens, but I'm not confident that's going to be something that happens on a consistent basis. If this, the first unit gets down, starters get down double digits, it, it's probably going to be tough to get back in those games, especially here early in the year when these guys don't have that, that much experience. Yeah, the Grizzlies got six days off here. You're looking at next Wednesday is opening day at the FedEx Forum against the New York Knicks nationally televised game on ESPN. I wonder, I, I man, I know about the time. I know that they, you know, yeah, they're six days off. Hopefully this Steven Adams thing is not too severe because, yeah, you know, that, then if, if that is the case, then you're looking at Brandon Clark probably starting at the five. And I was interested to see what some lineups would look like with Brandon Clark and Santi Aldama out there at the same time. But I don't want to see it under these circumstances there's definitely questions with the second unit. You never know, you know, we, we were talking about the rotation on the last podcast and, and, and who is going to be in the 10 man whenever the season starts. I, I think X played better tonight than what he has yeah. at, you know, in, yeah. in the preseason. Yeah, he played really well tonight. Um, th there was one play in the second quarter where, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't in the second, but there, there was one play 
where he ran out and trapped like they were they were doing the pick and roll he goes out and he runs a trap on the guard and then he was able to get back and contest a shot at the rim and that's something that I like seeing because if you watch I got into a bad habit watching drop defense when JV was here because I didn't fully understand exactly what they like the goal of drop defense was. We had Brevin Knight on the podcast. He talked to us about it and what the big's job is in that. Drop defense is awful to watch. As a spectator, you've got your big man sagging 10, 12, 15 foot off of his guy, daring him to shoot a three because that's a lower percentage shot than going up too far and letting them get to the rim. But Xavier Tillman's mobility in that play specifically allowed him to get back and still contest at the rim. And it led to a missed shot. The Grizzlies got the rebound, went the other way. And so I, I we saw X play winning basketball and contribute to winning on this team late in the season last year. So we know that he can do it, but I, I don't know. It just, the defense has been an issue for this team. We knew that that was going to be a problem and I think that out of the big man rotation that's going to be healthy in the beginning of the year, Xavier, Xavier Tillman is your best defender. Yeah, I mean, I, I think X played really well tonight. I mean, he had been kind of the forgotten man. I mean, I was talking to David earlier this morning when the report came out of Philadelphia had released Charles Bassey and Isaiah Joe, two guys that I really liked. I think we both liked them coming out of the draft and our draft coverage. The year Isaiah Joe was gone to Arkansas to really shoot the basketball. And Charles Charles Bassey is out of Western Kentucky, um, a, a rim protector. Guy can really block shots. And this team, especially without Jaron Jackson Jr. in there, could use a guy that can, can block shots and, and protect the rim a little bit. So I was thinking maybe if there were, those are two guys that I would take a look at and maybe X could be that odd man out. But shout out to him, man. Played really well tonight in his minutes. Um, as David said, on a defensive end, did some really nice things on both into the floor, running the floor, man, finishing at the basket. Uh, just just played well tonight, man. Took advantage of those minutes. Got to the free throw line, two of two, plus three in, in 15 minutes. I mean, he looked really good tonight. And somebody else, man, that made us look really good. We talked about kind of David Roddy versus Jake LaRavia. David Roddy, shout out to him. Yeah. Uh, highest, highest plus minus on the team tonight at, uh, what is that, plus 16, man. Really good minutes, 12 points, uh, one steal, a block, four of eight from the field. Uh, two or four from three, two or two from the free throw line, um, and played some big minutes tonight. Twenty six minutes, um, and he played. Is that the highest on the team? Let's see what man? If you don't yeah. mention that man's monster dunk after man, all, I, no, it was coming. Right. That was coming. I was oh, just looking okay. at. It. I think that's all the right. most. Yeah, that's the most minutes on the team because John played twenty five. He played twenty six minutes tonight. So shout yep. out to David Roddy, man. But yeah, that monster dunk, man. He looked. He looked. Uh, looked at his defender. Who was that? Who was that? Did he was it Cunningham? I think he, I think it was Cunningham. He looked back at him after he dunked. They looked at the bench. Bench went crazy. Thought for sure they might get a warning there because uh, they yeah. were celebrating over on the bench. But uh, yeah, man, he played some big minutes. And I think if you look overall over the summer league and these preseason games, I think again, man, if you had to pick one of those guys right now, I think David Roddy has separated himself a little bit. Now Laravia is, is active on the defensive end, but his offense just has not been there. He had that one rainbow three, but. Outside of that, man, he's really, really struggled. And they brought him in to be a shooter. And, and so far, he, he he has not been there for them. Yeah, we 100% agree. I, I really do think, I, I think by the end of that game, I think pretty much, like you said, I, th- I think he had separated himself. The fact that he played the 25 minutes, I think is, I think they they wanted to see what he could do, Um, you know, in terms of playing on the court. And they, 
play play Robbie a fair amount of time too, you know, 23 minutes, but you know, his overall contribution, Roddy is just able to contribute in more ways. Um, he does have, he's able to contribute on defense. His plus his highest plus minus on the team speaks to that, but he also was able to knock down some shots. Um, fifty percent from three. You know, you don't need him to do a lot. You just need to come in and make some spot minutes, be some hustle plays, kind of fit in and, and just really flow. He's very, very versatile. He's able to switch. Uh, I'm gonna say two through five, but really he could, he could do one through five depending on who that point guard was. But just his versatility allows for the Grizzlies to do a lot more. And that was supposed to be one of the key things for both Roddy and Laravia. And you just haven't seen that versatility as much um, with Laravia from that standpoint. Yeah, you talk about. The, the one through five, like like tonight, going up against a guy like Cunningham, I think he could guard him, uh, mm-hmm. a, a poor guard like that, if he's playing at the one. He also had a really nice drive to the basket, strong moves, his bully ball pushed his way into the, bullied his way into the basket, and you like to see that. As Cannon said, he's just versatile to do different things, can play on both ends, and strong at that size, and the potential to knock down threes at times. He's just a all-around guy, really smart, high IQ. He makes really great passes, too. I think he projects as a really good playmaker as well. Uh, so I like what I've seen of him. And, again, I just think he's shown more than the ability to help you in more ways than the Arabia have so far. Yeah, I did see some stuff from Laravia that I really liked tonight, though, that yeah, there was, you know, a couple times where he got the ball and he actually attacked. You know, he, he got downhill, uh, made a nice play where he absorbed contact and was able to finish. He missed the stinking free throw, so that's a strike against him. For me, anyway, Two, you know, he, two. He, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. I, I wasn't gonna mention the second <laughs> free throw shooting. Is, is it's they they will get everybody. The listeners will get enough of me complaining about poor free throw shooting. I'm afraid throughout the season, but you know, it, it's it's young in the season, right? We're, we're not even playing games. The Grizzlies are not playing games that matter yet, and Grizz Twitter is in mid season form already, just crapping on people. Dylan Brooks was two for 13, 0 for five from three. He has struggled this preseason. He's not been shooting the ball well. And preseason is where you want to work those kinks out. That's where you want to work through this stuff. I get the mindset of, okay, I want his shot selection to be better. But more than anything, I want to see shots fall for him. And I think that's extremely important for Dylan Brooks because he tends to be – uh, a streaky guy, you know, when he is on, he can go nuclear and he can he can carry an offense. But when he's shooting the ball the way that he was tonight, he can also sink an offense. So th- there's a fine line there, but I have no issues with him firing up 13 shots tonight, even though some of the shots were ill-advised and poor shot choices. And we all know we we've witnessed him fall into bad habits. We've watched him take bad shots on multiple occasions, but it's preseason basketball. Well, for, for me, I would – he's over 5 from 3 tonight. There was definitely poor shot selection. But for me, I, even in preseason, I would like for him, when he sees that that 3 is not going down, go into the mid-range. Take some, take some more mid-range shots. That's kind of more yeah. his money position. Just don't keep firing away from 3. And that's kind of what we saw tonight. And I, I kind of get what people think because people think, all oh, this is – same old Dylan. I mean, I know I know it's preseason, but like you said, you can fall into those bad habits. And if he's doing it now, might do it. Probably people suspect it going on revisionist history. He's been doing it in the past. They think he's going to do it in the preseason too. So I would just like to see him kind of get to that big game and mid-range and get to some of those inside shots that he does and, and work through, through through some of this off 
offense in that way. Uh, because I just think he's continuing to fire up for three, man. Some of those shots were just bad. Sometimes you have to realize, man, if it's not going, it's not going even in preseason. I just want to see more efficiency from him. Yeah, I think I'd agree. I, I think I understand where most people are coming from because it's a continuation. Yeah. It's like a pattern. It's a trend. And so it doesn't really matter if it's preseason. The goal of the preseason is to really work on your areas. And that's not an area Dylan needs to work on is chucking up threes. That's not his ability to chuck up threes has not been a question. He wanted to work on his efficiency. And you can only do that with your shot selection. Um, I didn't see him making some of those same passes that I noticed that he made in the game before. And when Dylan that makes some good things, I'll, I'll shout it out. I, I will. But uh, t- tonight was sort of the, the 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 Dylan game that you didn't want, and I know you mentioned that he's when he gets hot he can carry an offense, but I think that's the other thing that the fans are frustrated with is they don't want Dylan carrying the offense because that's not that's not his role that you need from him. Um, it, it really any point is is for Dylan to carry the offense, not anymore, not with Ja, not with this, and really not with Zaire Williams coming along coming along. He's not there, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I know that he is not, you know, you don't want him to be a first or second option or honestly probably a third option at this point. But there's going to be nights when your guys just don't have it. There's going to be nights when they struggle and you have to have other guys step up and he's going to be on the floor. He's going to have playing time. So I, I get what you're saying about you don't just want him jacking up, you know, Poor selection, like you, you don't want him just coming down the floor and firing up the threes. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, you, four other two, three. Yeah, for, for sure, there is. But I, I think that you know, we know that the three point shot is not his strong suit, but I, I, just, I don't have know that. No, yeah, no, I mean, and, and I don't know that. that no, it's a fantastic no. question, and, and the answer to that question. Maybe no. no, it might be no there, but you know, I, I'm just I'm okay with him shooting them, man. Like I I like in the regular season when it really matters, if I have a choice of Dylan shooting a three or Dylan taking the ball to the basket and shooting a mid-range shot, I'm taking the mid-range all day long. I know analytically that is not the shot that you want the guys taking, but also if you break it down by the player, I would say analytically the shot that you want Dylan Brooks taking is the mid-range jumper because that's his oh, one 100%. Yeah, so, I mean, those those mid-range shots, those weird fadeaways that he gets inside the basket, I mean, he's a tough shot maker on the inside. I mean, and you just want to see more of that. If, even in the preseason, you should be working on things that you're going to be doing in the regular season. If you're getting into those bad habits, just pulling up for threes in preseason. I mean, that can carry over into the regular season. I'm not sure if this is just, oh, uh, he's thinking I'm just doing this in the preseason. I think that's just Dylan Brooks. Sometimes you're going to see him have nights where he's efficient, make great passes. Other nights he's going to chuck up threes. I mean, we've seen this song and dance. I just don't know if that's something that's going to change at this point. I mean, he's been in the league for a long time. I think that might just be Dylan Brooks. And if you're going to keep him, you just got to accept the good with the bad. I mean, that's just what it's going to be. With him, I, I just don't think there's going to be any big progress there as far as him deciding where well, I'm not going to shoot these threes anymore. I just think that there are going to be times where he's going to jack up shots. I think that's just Dylan Brooks. So let, let me ask you guys a question. And, Candace, I'll throw it to you first since I kind of cut in front of you there. Do you think that because this is a contract year for Dylan that he is going to be pressing this year? That's possible. That's possible. I can't say for sure, 
because Will Dillon's last contract year, he, you know, caught fire and hit one of those crazy streaks and ultimately got him signed before the year was out. I, it worked for him then. I don't know if he will try to duplicate that as possible, but he's also mentioned that he wants to work on his assist, whether that breathes to be reality or not is not a point, but he knows that this team wants him to take less shots. So my hope, and I'm going to be just optimistic on this, is that that will continue to be the point of emphasis. There's going to be moments where he gets tunnel vision because I just think that's his instinct. I said it when in the playoff series, that's just his go-to when he's not really thinking about anything. He's just, his instinct is to chuck, chuck up shots, unfortunately. And so you get those moments where you'll have that. But outside of those, I'm not sure that that you will see a lot of that. I think he's going to try to work on his defense. Um, and at one point he was working on being, you know, all I mean, first team defense or all, you know, all defensive team, but that was before his injury last season. So I don't know where his head is still with that, but knowing what the team wants from him, I think he's going to try to fill that role as best he can. He's also talked about being more efficient. I'm not sure we've seen that either, but I lean no. I'll say long. That's a long way to say I lean towards no. He probably won't press, at least in the way that we know Dylan pressing looks like. Um, Will he make some bad passes trying to get some assists sometimes? Maybe. But I think he's more likely to try to fall into the line of what the team wants um, because I think that's the only way he, he thinks he might get paid anyway. Yeah, the, the the kind of piggyback off that. I hope I hope it goes the other way. I hope he you know looks at the things that the team wants from him, things that he needs to improve on, and think, okay, well, that's the way that I'm going to get paid. Whether it's here with the Grizzlies, which I think is his preference to stay in Memphis, I think he really wants to stay here, or was it somewhere else? Being more efficient on offense, uh, making those passes, not chucking up so many shots, and having improving in that vein, I think is what will. It leads to him making more money um, I, because I think right now he has his reputation, even though, and I still think he's going to get paid either way because a, a, a guy that size on the wing, people are going to pay for that, that can score uh, because we know he can score. I just hope he looks at the, the efficiency aspect of it and think, okay, well, I'm better in the mid-range. I'm better in getting to the basket. Uh, I'm better at locking guys down on defense. I'm going to stop chucking up so many of these shots and going to my bread and butter inside. And, again, man, that makes my numbers better. Like still average 15, 16, 17 points, whatever, even in the, just getting in that mid-range, and that's where he lives. And I'm hoping that's kind of the way he looks at it. But it, it could go the other way. I hope not. But a lot of times guys thinking, okay, well, I'm a scorer, man. I got to put up all these shots. That's how I'm going to get paid. But I hope he, he goes the other way with it. So let, let's talk about his contract right here. Where Where is that number for you? You know, we're talking about him getting paid here. On the open market, what what do you expect he would get? And then where are you comfortable with the Grizz? You know, is is he going to command $20 million a year? Are the Grizz going to pay him $20 million a year? If you were sitting in the front office and you had to make that decision, is Dylan Brooks worth that amount of money? I think awesome. the floor is $20 million, personally. Yeah. I think that's the floor. The Keldon Johnson signing, I think, made the floor twenty million. I feel like he can get up to on the market, maybe twenty five, if the team is desperate enough, I suppose. But uh, I can't speak to what the Grizzlies are going to do. But I think that's his floor at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I said all summer. I think 
18 to 20 is his floor. Now with the Kelton Johnson deal, I'm thinking 20. Um, I'm thinking that he could probably get north of that from somebody. There's always going to be some team, the Knicks or somebody that'll come in and offer 25 million. And if I'm the Grizzlies, man, I I'm not really comfortable with anything over 18. I'd hate to really even go 18. I would like mm-hmm. 16, 17. Um, that would kind of be where I want to live at. I just I just don't know. With a small market, when you've already got Jaw on his deal, Jaron on his deal, you know you got Bane coming up next year with his extension. Is he that guy that you want to kind of put yourself in a position to where, okay, we're not going to be able to do a lot outside of this, where we're not going to have any money. These are our guys in with the question that we just got you talking about, deficiency, and sometimes when he gets tunnel vision and things like that, do you really want to lock in on it or do you think that money will be better dispersed elsewhere? Um, I think that's the big question. For me, I think anything north of 17 and 18, which I think he's easily going to get on the market, I think I would be uncomfortable with that. And I still, and I've said this, it is not that I don't dislike Dylan. I would still be surprised if he's here because I just think that he's going to get a number that they're not going to be willing to pay. I think the only way he ends up here is if he takes a bit of a discount. I think that's the only way he stays with the Grizz because I just don't see them paying him 20-plus. I, I can't I can't see it just the way the team is set up, kind of the way they built it. And that's just a lot of money to pay what, you, what I think they feel like because I think they feel like Zaire Williams can be that guy. Uh, and you're talking about your fourth or fifth guy on the team and you're going to be paying them north of $20 million. I mean, Zaire's going to need an extension in, 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 a, in a couple of years as well. I just don't – I just can't see him doing that. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe they feel like he means so much in his locker room. I know Ja loves him, and he's probably going to want him to stay here, and maybe they maybe they do. Uh, but, again, for me, I, would, I wouldn't be uncomfortable. I would be uncomfortable paying him any more than 18 and really wouldn't even want to go that high. 16 and 17 is where I'd want to live, and I, I just think he's going to get off of more than that. So I, I think – a good comparison, and I, I think Dylan is a better defender than this guy. But I, I look at Tim Hardaway Jr. with Dallas, six foot six inch wing that can shoot the ball, and you know you're you're paying him. You know Tim Hardaway. I think his deal was like four years, seventy five million, and it yeah, started. It started. Uh, hold on, I got here. It is. Yeah, four years. 75 million. It started higher. So it started in the 20 yeah, million range. Contract, and yeah. then it descends. Dylan is younger than Tim Hardaway Jr., but I, I think it's going to be in that vicinity. I, I don't know that you see anything, you know, past a four year contract for him, but I'm in the same boat as you, Isaac. I think that that, you know, the 16 to 18 million range is, is a good spot to get him in. Um, yeah. Once you start talking about 20, man, I, I just, I don't know how many years they're going to sign him for. I wonder if that's going to be an issue for Dylan. If he would take maybe more money on a shorter contract, like a Tyus, kind of the way they did Tyus. Yeah, like a two-year deal. Yeah. Um, and and it's I'm not a fan necessarily of moving Dylan Brooks. So this is not me. You know, I didn't initiate this conversation to be like, oh, well, they they need to get rid of him or they don't need to pay him. But I think that you have to be smart with your money. And if you feel like if you see the leap from Zaire this year on the defensive end and you feel like he can be your guy, then you have to determine, okay, if Zaire is going to be our guy, then are we going to pay Dylan Brooks starter money or are we going to offer him, you know, 
a sixth man type role. And then that's going to be the question. Is is Dylan going to be receptive to that? There's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts whenever it comes to it. But I, you know, going back to tonight, we kind of got off track a little bit there. I'm, I'm fine. I hate that he suck it up tonight. You know, two for 13 is awful. He was still a plus 11. That's just, you know, they got out to a crazy hot start and we're beating the crap out of them in the first. So I, I think a lot of that plus 11, stems from that but i i have no issue with, with the, the performance tonight the things that he was doing because it is preseason i realize it can you know it, it's probably just bad habits showing its face and we're probably going to see more of it in the regular season i'm a, i'm always a brooks supporter and i try to be optimistic with him but may, maybe it just is what it is at, at this point um what do you think this team if Adams is going to miss and I missed what happened, like what happened to him that where he hurt his neck, I didn't see, I don't know if I was getting something to drink for my kid or whatever. I didn't see him leave the floor with an injury. Can you guys run me through what happened there? I, I didn't see it either. I the first. I didn't even know he had left the, the bench area until John Hollister tweeted it out. He tweeted out about a minute and I must've missed it too. I don't know if they said he got tangled up with the court Joseph. That he got tangled up with, I, because initially I think John Hodger tweeted out that it was his ankle or his leg or something. Then somebody told him no, I think it was his neck, head area, and then they kind of announced that it was his neck. I didn't, I didn't see it either. I I saw the back end of it, so I I can't really recall the play exactly. I just know that I remember them showing him sitting on the other end of the court for some time. He sat he sat on the court for a while, like while the game was still going on. He, he he was down and he stayed down. That's why probably some people thought it was his leg because he didn't get up. Um, and then he talked to Jai for a while and he was still sitting on the ground and eventually he got up. And so he got, he got up. I didn't really know exactly what was wrong with him, uh, but his neck, his, his neck was looking kind of stiff and he was walking kind of weird. He went straight to the locker room once he did get up. Well, not, I, I think he pretty much, I think he may have stopped by the bench for a second, but he basically, went to the locker room after that. Uh, but I remember him sitting on the court more than I actually remember the play now that, uh, uh sorry, I can't give you guys insight on that, on that part, but I think he did get. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, it's like we all, all missed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It may have been, you know, one of those things where it was something that didn't necessarily get caught on camera. That, yeah. I was like, you know, I know at one point I got up to grab something to drink, but I was kind of, you know, trying to keep an eye on it. And then I saw the reports or whatever. I'm like, all right, well, it is what it is. So we're looking at rotation. If I I don't want to hit the panic button, I was going to ask a question, but I'm actually not going to ask that question. I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to talk about the three-point shooting. The Grizzlies were seven for 32 tonight. A lot of offers. Dylan Brooks was over five. Santi only shot one tonight. That's a little weird. Um, Desmond Bain, you know, he, he just had a monster night, but he was one for seven. And then you get a, a one for three from Conchar, one for six from LaRavia, and then a couple overs at the end of the bench. It, it's scary. I've, on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being you're completely panicked and you don't think that they made any improvement on the three point shooting scale, where are you guys at with it right now? I'm at an eight. I'm at eight. That that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's a, that's the exact number I was going to say. Uh, it, it's it's definitely concerning uh, that 
because I mean Bane, you I mean you know Bane's gonna shoot better than this. He's just too good of a shooter. One of seven tonight had a monster game, as David said, um, against Orlando in the last game, but didn't shoot it well tonight. You you don't have to worry about him. He's gonna make shots. It's just who else is gonna make shots? Is Adama gonna be consistently able to knock down shots? We've seen him do that here in in, in Vegas and in, in the second early here in the preseason. Uh, only shot one tonight over one. But is he going to be able to consistently knock down shots? LaRavia has it, was supposed to be brought in to be a shooter. He hasn't shown the ability to do that. And so you're just kind of wondering where's the shooting is going to come from. Uh, Tyus had a, a good year shoot from three last last year, one or two tonight. Um, I mean, you think he can come in and knock down three pointers at times, but cons- you want consistent shooting. And I just right now don't know where that's going to come from on his team. And again, man, I just go back. I just feel like they should have brought somebody else in. Um, that's why Dante DiVincenzo is a guy who I really love for this team. End up going to Golden State, signing with them on a really cheap deal. Like, I can't remember. He's only making, like, five, six million a year. I was thinking he was going to make, like, 10 to 12. I, mean, I don't know if that's a Golden State discount. Maybe if he had came to the Grizzlies, he would have wanted more money. But I just feel like they're a guy or two short. I think they need a couple of veteran guys in off the bench, um, and guys that can shoot and guys that can, can play perimeter defense. I just feel like they're missing those two aspects. and. As far as the shooting, man, I'm, I, I am concerned. I mean, that's something, especially when you think the defense is going to be an issue as well, especially early in the season without Jared. You're going to need guys to knock down shots, and I just don't know outside of Bain if they have those guys. BB is not shooting the basketball well right now from the perimeter. There are times where he can get hot, but you can't count on that either. Uh, I, I guess Josh improved a little bit, but he's not going to be a guy that you can consistently, I think, Think that he's going to knock down threes. He's going to do most well, of his damage. He in the hadn't paint. shot. Yeah, he hadn't shot the ball well from three this preseason. No, in the preseason, he won two tonight, but he has struggled. I mean, he that that shot hasn't looked good in the preseason. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely concerning uh, because again, again, you they're going to have to put points on the board, especially here early in the season without Jared. And if you're not knocking down threes, man, it's it, it's going to be hard to to kind of do that if your defense is struggling. Yeah, if you pull. We know that Bain is going to shoot the ball. Yeah, well. Bain's he's, he's Bain's never, not, not, I'm not concerned. Like, he could go over 30 in a game, and I'm like, he's going to make shots. I'm yeah, not worried about yeah. Bain. It's going to come around. But if you take his one for seven out of it tonight, the rest of the team shot 24%. So it's a slight improvement over the 22% with Bain's one for seven. But over the course of the preseason, the Grizzlies are 46 of 165 from three. That's 27.8%. That's that's ten percent below the league average last year, and you know we, we heard that hey that's our focus that's what we want to do. I I know. Contrast knockout shots, but you got these guys. Like, you I, I was shots, man. I was preaching during the game. Hey, y'all know it's preseason, right? So I I try not to crank it up too high, but it is concerning, man, because you still wonder where's the three point shooting going to come from. Well, who is going to bring it? That That is Steven Adams is not going to start, you know, magically shooting threes in the game. That's not going to happen. Could we see improvement from Ja enough for him to be a true th- threat from three-point land? That's a possibility. I'm not counting him out on anything because of the way that he works on stuff. And then, you know, you have Dylan Brooks, who throughout his career has not been a three-point shooter. So you don't expect him to just flip a switch. So then you need to see it from Aldama and one attempt from him tonight. I feel like he had a couple more opportunities where he had a shot that he could have taken it, but he passed the ball or dribbled in and higher percentage shots, yada, yada, yada. 
there are just some questions whenever it comes to that. And I, I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Like internal growth is going to make a difference. And I don't, I'm trying to be positive, man. I, I am, I'm concerned. I'm at about the same level as you guys. It's not a 10 because it's preseason, but it's definitely above a five because this is not just one game to 27. Well, you rounded up to 28% over the course of the preseason. It's just not good. And they didn't, there was not one game where they shot the ball from three where they just shot the lights out. It was, I think, 10 for 33, 10 for 28 was their best performance. So that, I mean, that's not terrible, but it's also not great. Can I, can I share my, my, my biggest concern with the three point shooting? Sure. I'm not sure you get optimal bang like this because. Right now, what they're doing is playing Bain a lot more with the second unit, even more so than with Ja. So one, he's he's having to create his own shot a little bit more than he had in the past. And that's good, but also like he's not getting those open shots the way he would if he was playing more minutes with Ja. Two, it makes him easier to defend from three because there aren't any real other shooting threats when he's on with that second unit, especially from the three-point line. So I don't even think – I'm not worried about Desmond Bain in the perspective of is he still as good of a shooter – I'm worried about him from the perspective of is the way this team is set up right now going to allow him to be his optimal self the way he was able to be last season. Because even DeAnthony Melton, as streaky as he was, could take some of the load off when it comes to that bench unit in terms of secondary scoring. I think yeah. the, the, I was going to say, sorry, I think the two guys that really need to, to step up and that you're going to need more shooting from that potential of guys that you haven't really seen it from is Aldama and, and Conchar. Um, and I know David is kind of, when it comes to Conchar, kind of downplay, doesn't think his role is going to be big as it, it's kind of, I think man, me and Candace kind of think it is. I think he's important because yeah. with, with not, not having De'Anthony Melton, he's off the bench. He's going to be a guy that's needed to come in and make shots and, and score. Um, and he's not going to bring what De'Anthony Melton made on defensive end. But when you look on this roster, I mean, he's a guy, he's not the boy. They're going to need him to be productive. And again, I, and we talked about this before, I just don't know if he can do that when he's a guy that that you need to do that on a night in and night out basis. He's not going to be a, a savior guy that comes in when somebody goes down or spot minute guy. He's going to be a guy they need to come in off the bench night in and night out to make shots. And I, I just don't, have, we haven't seen him do that with consistency. And and I think that's what we need to see. And I'm, I'm concerned about it. I just feel like him and I hate to sound like a broken record, but I feel like they're one or two guys short. I feel like they should have brought in at least one veteran guy that can – a three and D type of guy off the bench that they can have to kind of fill that role, man, because I, I just think it's going to be a struggle because I'm already concerned about the defense with Jaron being out, and now we're talking about the shooting if you're not able to knock down shots. That's not a good recipe uh, that you – because you're going to need three. If you're going to score a lot of points, you're going to need to knock down threes, and I mm-hmm. think they're going to have to have big scoring outputs to kind of make up for some of the losses they have on defense. And I don't know if they're equipped to do that right now. I know Jaw's gonna do his thing, and as long as you have Jaw, you have a have a chance. But I, I just think there are gonna be times that they struggle scoring. Other teams are gonna be hot. You bring in that second unit. Can you can can you depend on any of those guys to give you consistent offense? And I, I don't know if that answer is yes. I think some nights they will be able to, and then I think some nights they're gonna struggle. They they scored one twenty six tonight, w- only making hey, seven threes. I'm going to your, go to your, go to your thing. Pre-season. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> and I, it's also the Pistons. So, they're not going to be playing Pistons every night either. So you have to take that into account. Yeah, 
<laughs> Let's see if I can get some optimism from you here, Isaac. It's it's preseason. We're early in the season. And and I agree that it feels like something is missing. Is there any chance that we see the development from these guys to where you get comfortable? You think, okay, they've got enough here. Or do I mean, you think yeah, that there's uh, do you think there's zero chance that that happens? And if they don't make a move, they don't have enough to get over the hump. And this is with, let me back up. We're going to say Jaron is healthy. So we're going to say, you know, November, December, when Jaron comes back, do they have enough when he is healthy on this team with internal development? Or do you think that they're going to have to go out and make a move to get there? Well, I mean, I picked them to win 47 games. So I'm not like, I'm not saying that they're going to be terrible or anything. And I think Jaron makes, such an impact on the defensive end. I think having him back changes a lot. Uh, just having him back on the floor, and, and that's not even counting what he does when he's able to knock down threes or his offensive production. I just think he adds so much to the team because being an anchor of that defense, I think that kind of changes some of your thoughts on you needing more from from those guys off the bench. Uh, but with, with, I mean, of course they can develop into players you can depend on. I just, I just haven't seen it. I, I need to see it first before. I can feel confident, and then I just when I look down this roster, I just don't know. I mean, Laravia hasn't shown the ability to give consistent offense. Um, I mean, Tyus Jones offensively can be hit or miss. He's been fantastic for his team, uh, but I think they're going to need even more from him now offensively. I, I just think early in the season, you're going to need Ja to be nuclear every night. That's kind of how I feel right now. I think you're going to need him to just carry his team on his back and. We've seen that. We saw kind of saw that early in the season last year, and they struggled. Uh, that's kind of what we saw. Job was going nuclear, and they were losing these games. They couldn't get any stops, and they, they were putting up big numbers, but the other team was scoring more than that. I mean, we saw some games that were like 148, 111 and stuff that they were losing early in the season, and I'm I'm kind of afraid that that could be how this starts off. I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope Ja is taking his game to another level to the point to where that's not going to be the case. I, I just worry about them getting stops, and I worry about them making shots, especially that second unit. I'm not sold on that second unit group at all. I talked about that on the last podcast. I hope they stagger guys more. You kind of mentioned it earlier. Maybe you play, uh, you see Laravia uh, playing playing some more with uh, with Stephen Adams or or Roddy, whichever the guys it is. Speak to some of those guys off, or play with Adama and switching those guys out. I just don't know if that five man unit off the bench can they run the same way they did last year, kind of a five in five out. I just don't know if that, that that group off the bench, I just don't know if they're going to be able to give you enough a lot of nights, especially if they're, when they're going against really good teams. It just feels like there's something missing there to me. I want to go back to Desmond Bain a little bit because Candace was talking about is he going to be his optimal self handling the ball and kind of more pressure on him if there's not somebody knocking down the shots. We've seen a ton of growth from Desmond Bain. We saw big leap from year one to year two. We see him in this preseason kind of going back to that same stuff of, you know, he's attacking off the dribble. He's doing more than just shooting the ball. Is this like, where where do you see his ceiling? Because when, when we saw him year one and it was more of like a choke down version of Desmond Bain. And then the Grizzlies made it a point to make him 
a part of this offense in year two, and he had this massive explosion. And it seems like his role is going to be increased this year as well. Do you think he is better with the ball in his hands or without the ball in his hands? I think he's great at both. So that's not a knock on Bain. But at the same time, if you want effective and high percentage three-point shooting, yeah. you have to have the looks available. Because even though Bain, I think he will grow. He's I've seen him grow as a playmaker. I've seen him grow. Uh, he'll be able to facilitate the offense. So I don't have questions about how he'll fit in the second unit. But you still, if if nobody else can knock down three-point shots, but one guy basically on the entire team, I think the the looks that you get become less optimal, become less percent. I mean, the, the, the percentages of making them aren't as high. It's easier to defend and he'll have to work harder to get those shots. And that's the one guy you need to be getting easy buckets if there's anybody else getting easy buckets. Yeah, so it's, exactly. not, it's not a knock on Bain. I think his ceiling is very high. I mean, I, I mean honestly, no, no, I, and, and I wasn't 20 some points a game. I think he could easily. And that wasn't – if I was wording that question, I, like I wasn't trying to imply that you were knocking on Bain there, but, you know, um, Bryson tweeted out during the game about some of the stuff that he was doing with the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. And year one specifically, and the early part of year two, if you ask that same question, people are going to say that he's better without the ball in his hands because he is a great slasher. Like he he makes good cuts – we saw Brandon Clark caught the ball right at the elbow and uh, Bain makes a backdoor cut. Clark hits him with the bounce pass, easy bucket. He makes really good cuts. He moves very well without the ball. He knows how to slide in the defense to get that little window to be able to get his shot off. So he is elite off of the ball. But I think that he is getting to that level where you can almost consider him elite with the ball in his hands. And I think that when it comes down to it, I, I don't know that there's that much separation between the two. Like, obviously, I would love to have him, you know, op- you know, Moran is going to create open looks for him. But if he's got to create his own shot, he's definitely got the tools to do that. And I think that's the part of his game that we're seeing really elevating at this point. Man, I think, I think, it's still, I think, it's still, I think it's still in his, an all-star. I always go back yeah. to Chris Milton. If Chris Milton is an all-star, I think Desmond Bain can be an all-star, and, and you both made great points. I think he's great at both. I think you've seen him expand his game as far as handling the basketball, taking to the basket. I think we saw that on full display tonight, but but as Candace said, I think if you're looking for him to get the, the most efficient shots, the best looks from three, I think it's better off the ball, so it's kind of a give and take there. I think if you have him on the ball and, and having to create more, that's fine because he can get to the basket. He's shown he can get to the basket and finish. But I think that also is going to take a little way from his three-point shooting because he's not going to get the same same look. So you got exactly. it's a heavy balance there somewhere, and he's going to have to find that with the way this team is set up. And I think that's where his sweet spot is. He just has to find out what that is. Uh, but it's, it, it's, it's just tough, man, because, again, man, outside of him, there's really not a single guy on this team that you – can look at it and say, okay, that guy is going to make shots on a consistent basis. They, they just don't have that guy. Um, and that's a concern. It, it really is concerning. And before you asked that question, I hadn't even thought about it in that, in that aspect. And I'm thinking about the guys on the roster. I'm like, man, they really don't have any guy that you could rely on to shoot the basketball. They they, they really don't. Uh, when you look off the bench, none of those guys 
You you need at least one quote unquote shooter off the bench, and they really don't have that guy. That's why I was thinking uh, a, a guy like it. His numbers aren't super efficient, but we know he can score. Jordan Clarkson was a name that came up for a guy that the Grizzlies might have some interest in during the offseason. I felt like he'd be a great fit on this team because he's a guy that you know that can come off the bench and get buckets. He, he might he's not going to play great defense. He Man, do a lot of things, you, but he can put the ball in the back. Not going to play defense. You're being way too nice. That dude is a traffic cone. He's terrible on defense. But I mean, like, we I, have. I mean, have plenty of defense. I mean, that's what I said. I mean, that's a that's a you know, like they have the defense is good. We've got good team defenders. You yeah. had Dylan Brooks is a, a good defender. And I mean, people, everybody, everybody is not, everybody's not going to be but, a defender. I mean, you got no, you got to have guys that can put the ball in the basket. No, I, I get that. I, I understand that, but you know, like. You put him with this second unit, and and Jaron is not on the floor as a security blanket. He's a liability on the defensive end, and I know in the playoffs that doesn't matter as much. The rotation is going to be shortened up, and so the times that you're going to have him in, he's going to be with better players. But I just I'm not close minded to going out and getting a guy that can get buckets. But I just prefer to have somebody that can be serviceable on the defensive end. And I don't know that Jordan Clarkson is even that. Well, I mean, he's in the rotation of a really good, good playoff team. That, that's the thing that anytime when you talk about adding players, people always they're like really critical of these players. Like, I, I don't know, it's it's they he, he played in minutes on a really good playoff team. Even he, he come in and cooked us a lot, a lot. I mean, he has a role on the team. I mean, for a team that needs scoring off the bench, you look at this second unit. So, so you okay. so you don't so when you look at the second unit on this team right now, so you would rather have Laravia out there right now than Jordan Clark. I depends on the situation. No, uh, just straight up. depends on the straight situation. Up. Like de- no, no, just in general, regular season. Defensively, Jake Laravia. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, <laughs> who do you prefer to be on the rotation? Yeah, like who would you prefer to be in a rotation right now? I I understand what you're saying, man, but. How far did Utah get with him on that team? And I know that it's not just him that makes that difference. I know that the the players around him make the difference. But h- how much difference is he going to make? Big when you need shots. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean but he, what did he average? Seventeen points a game last year. I mean, you need somebody to come in, come in and score. I mean, he can make he can make shots. But you got other guys that can defend. I mean, it's not like you don't have. This is a terrible defensive team all around him, I and you can protect him with other guys on the floor. You just need a guy to come in and get buckets, and you know he can do that. And with the second unit, you just don't have anybody right now that you can do it. Of course, you prefer for him to be a guy that can bring in a guy that can score and defend, but I definitely think there's a need there for kind of a microwave score. This team has never really had that off the bench, and I think he fits that role perfectly. I think they have enough guys on this team that you could protect them. I mean, that's just me. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm all based. No, I, mean, I, I don't you, agree. You right I'm, not, right. I'm not – I'm not – I don't disagree. I'm not specific on Jordan Clarkson, but I, at this point, I think, and it's the preseason, right? We're going to always give that caveat, but they project to be one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. Yeah. I'm just going to put it out there. It's it's, it's scary. And and listen, like, am I going to get mad if they make a move and go get Jordan Clarkson? Absolutely not. Like, I mean, he is a guy that can go out and get, you know, he he could defend, he'd be an all-star and you can't just go out and get all that's the reason why he's not an all-star. If he could score the way he scores and he's locking guys up too, he's one of the better players in the league. And that's why 
yeah. that you wouldn't be able to get it. <laughs> That's yeah, kind of I mean, the kind of thing. Yeah, efficiency is not his strong suit, but you know, like you said, you you need somebody that's able to get buckets. I I get that, man, and and it's not like I know that you know I'm not one like oh don't, don't go get this guy. Like if that's what Kleiman thinks is gonna like fix it, okay, go get the guy. But I, I just I don't know. I've watched this coaching staff develop guys over and over again. And we're extremely early in the season. You look at the skill set and what these guys are able to do at the college level does not always translate. I'm aware of that. But see where you're at at the trade deadline. You know, like if if this team is, okay, like they're there, but they're struggling. They're barely in the playoff race at the trade deadline, and you're really missing this piece. Okay, you've got contracts that you can put together to go out and get a guy whenever you know if somebody comes available there's going to be a team that underachieves and they're like oh well let's just blow it up and tank and try and get vicar we already see like you know san antonio sold the franchise to try and tank tank for vicar Wibanyama. so there there's going to be some weirdness to this season and there may be guys that come available that you wouldn't you know necessarily think are available i, I think that's true um i i don't disagree with you and i i, I do know development in fact, I do want to mention a couple guys who I think might be able to help a little bit, maybe, and this is 100% me projecting. But first, I, I want to say that the, the trade deadline might be just a little bit too late, just a little bit. I mean, they got an easy schedule to start the year, and it's really important that they're able to take advantage of that. I'm not saying they got to win every game. Of course, it's not going to happen. But I'm saying you want to take advantage of the easier schedule before it gets tough. So it gets tough when Jaron comes back. And or, or around the time he's projected to come back, it, you know, basically January, it gets, you know, you, you, you ran and ready to go. So why? Yeah. The trade deadline. Sure. And, and playoffs is all that matters, I guess, at the end of the day, but you want to win enough regular season games to hopefully get you, you know, some good seating. Um, that, that matters too. Um, and it matters in terms of the matchup that you get. So my concern would be that the moves made are, a little bit. I mean, good enough to make a be- make them better for the playoff run. And in fact, with Jaron back, I'm not nearly as concerned about this team in the playoffs. I'm concerned about how they start the year and take advantage of the easier games they have. Can they win the games they need to win in order to, you know, keep them, high, you know, competitive in a very tough Western Conference landscape? That's fair. Isaac, is that kind of where you're at with it? Or are you just like right now, if they were healthy going in, like, do you not feel like they have enough? I, I know that you know, like, I, we, we've kind of touched on that. You know, you said you feel like they're missing with with the chance of internal development. Even and, even even with Jaron, like, like I said, even with Jaron out, like I think if he comes back in a reasonable manner, I think this team is going to be fine. I think they're going to be a – a top five team in the West. I just, with the moves that teams made around them, the West is going to be a lot tougher. You got teams that have gotten healthy. You talk about the Clippers. What you talking about the Nuggets? You have teams that have added. You got, I think New Orleans is going to be coming. Minnesota, mm-hmm. at least in the regular season, I think it's going to be much in, much improved. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they didn't do enough to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. The team is going to be fine. They're going to be really good. As long as you have John Morant, Desmond Bain, and, Jared Jackson Jr., when he comes back, you're going to be a really good basketball team. I just 
I felt like going into the playoffs last year that they could beat anybody in the league. And as of today, I don't know if I feel like that. I, I just, I, I mean, I'm just being being honest. That's just how I feel. I know the, the rotation shortened. I just, I, I just don't feel like right now the same way I felt when they walked off the floor in, in San Francisco. I, I don't feel like overall this team is as good as that team was. I think there's, it can be, but I think there's a lot of things that have to go right for them to kind of even maintain where they were last year and even maintaining they're not going to be the second seed just because of the reason that I laid out. And I feel like you have a lot of questions. Zaire needs to take a, a big leap. I think they need that. I worry about Conchar uh, replacing Melton in the defense there, not having those veteran guys. If guys go down in a regular season, are they going to be able to continue to win games the way they were last year? Those are just questions that I have. And maybe it ends up not being a factor. Maybe I end up being wrong, but I definitely have some concerns. Uh, and I think Jared being out, even heightens those, but I think even if he was back, I feel like this team is still missing something. I feel like a piece or two. I think they might need two guys uh, off the bench, and I, I just I don't understand why they didn't do it. Like you were the two seed in the West. I understand that you're you're about development, but I feel like at some point you have to turn the page from that. Like I like I, I know Zach Kleiman said that the the path on a rebuild is not always linear. But when you come as close as you came last year, like if you're not ready to kind of press the gas pedal at that point, like when are you going to be ready? Because you're coming up on a situation where you might have to pay Dylan. And if you pay him, then that's going to kind of put you in a situation where you don't have a lot of flexibility. So that that could be it. I mean, there are pieces that you could move, Tyus maybe, or, or Steven Adams with his contract. But there's not going to be a lot of flexibility. And I feel like if you're going to be – an elite championship level team, which I feel like they were last year. Why kind of go take a step backwards and take five rookies and say, okay, well, we got to develop these guys and we're going to get rid of two veteran guys. And we hope these guys can come in and by the end of the season, they're developed enough to where they can help us. Like I, I just, it's just a different path than I would have gone. I could be completely wrong. And again, I'm not saying this team is going to be bad. I just, I just have some concerns, like a little bit more than I think some, most people do. I think we have we have two teams in recent history that it's not the exact way that that the Grizzlies have gone, but th- there's two teams that have recent that have had recent success that you can look at and kind of look at what they've done and see, you know, a- Atlanta being one of those teams. You know, they get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, you know, they have Trey Young. They know that he's elite talent. So they want to put people around him to make that team better. They get that push. And then last year you saw them take a massive step back and they lost some of that young talent. You know, Cam Reddish, there there were people, there were rookies, people saying they thought that Cam Reddish was going to have a better NBA career than Zion Williamson. And yeah. now, you know, like Cam Reddish is, is bounced around and, and Thibodeau's not playing him. Like his talent's just gone. Like going to the right situation makes a difference, but you know Atlanta. I think it's safe to say they kind of fumbled what they had because they had a lot of good young talent in DeAndre Hunter, Trey Young, Cam Reddish, um, John Collins, uh, Onyeko Kongwu. They had a lot of good young talent. They've lost some of those pieces. They've had to move them because they stepped on the accelerator too fast. And then you you look at Milwaukee. And they get to the playoffs 
pretty consistently and they, they get knocked off and they wait maybe a little bit longer than people would like them to, but then they go out and they get Drew Holiday and that pushes them over the edge. And so there there is a there's a fine line between hitting the accelerator and, you know, being successful with it or hitting that accelerator and ending up like Atlanta. And I don't know which way is the right or wrong way. And I think, you know, you're saying kind of the same thing. You don't know if that's right or wrong. You just know that you would have approached it differently. And and I'm on the same page as you. I feel like the core of this team is good enough. You look at John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks. You know, if you push the accelerator in this offseason and Dylan Brooks is the fifth or sixth best player on your team, that's a championship team. That That's a team that should be competing for a championship. They didn't do that, and you go into this season, and, you know, maybe Dylan's your fourth best player. And so now the the, the battle's a lot harder. So I don't know what the answer is. I, I don't get paid lots of money like climbing and those guys to make that type of decision. But I, I, I guess maybe I would rather be a little more cautious than, you know, d- just go all in. I, I don't know what that line is for me. I can't say that I have like for sure this is the line in the sand and or and I feel like you're saying, you know, being there two seed in the West last year, taking Golden State to the edge, and you know, that was the line for you. That's where you would have pushed all your chips in the middle. And and I don't know what I was gonna say when I say when when I say except push the accelerator, I didn't even mean necessarily going out and doing anything crazy like trying to get another max guy, but I feel like a team in that position should have at least used the mid-level exception. Like I don't like they didn't bring in anybody outside of the of the rookies. They re-signed Tyus with Sias is really important piece of this team. But I mean he's the guy that was already here. I mean you couldn't go out and bring in a couple rotation mid-level rotation players to mid-tier free agents to kind of bring in to kind of augment what you lost. That's my question. I just don't understand it's just weird to me that they didn't do that. It, it just seems like I don't want to say that they're because I mean, you still have Jaw, you still have that 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 big three, big four, however you want to look at it. But it's similar, and I guess. It, and they've they've said this before, and everything they do is based on future. But it just seems like to me, and I'm not going to say they punted on this season because this team is going to be really good. But it was almost like they, I don't know, say that I'm not going to say I don't know what the word is to say that they they're not they don't really care how close they were last year. Like they're still just going to continue to build. They're not looking at it like that. Like we, we could have won a championship because I really do believe if it wasn't for Ja going out and Bain being hampered half of that series, you missing Stephen Adams, some stuff going on there. He wasn't hundred percent. I feel like the Grizzlies would have won a championship last year because I think they would have beat that Dallas team. And with the way Boston kind of voted, I think the Grizzlies could have beat that team as well. I think they would have won a championship last year. And I'm looking at that. If I feel if that if I feel like that, I'm going out. And I'm going to – I know other teams made some big moves, and I don't think they were in a position to do that because I wasn't – like the KD thing, I'm not blowing up the team for KD, some of the stuff like that. But I feel like I would have brought in some guys, a couple guys that do free agency or made a, a minor trade to kind of kind of enhance and build on what they did last year. I don't think they really built on what they did last year at all. Like I don't think they built on – I think, if anything, it, it, it they I, I didn't want to say a step back. It's just – they got younger as a team, and that's just not what I was expecting, to bring in five rookies in the position that they were in. You just think, okay, we were this close to a championship. We're going to try to make sure we at least 
maintain where they are. And I, I don't know if you can 100% say that they maintain where they are. Just a lot of questions had to be answered. And if they answered on the positive side, they could be that. I just think there, there are a lot of questions going in for a team that in their position, you shouldn't have that many questions going into this season. That's just kind of where I am. I know a lot of people vehemently disagree with me, but that's just where I'm at. Not saying they're going to be, be a bad team. I think 47 wins. I think they'll be a top five seed. I just don't know if their ceiling is as high as it was last year just because of what other teams around them did and what they didn't do. I'll throw this out there in positive. The two guys that I think could project at least by midseason to be able to be some of the potentially based off what I've seen in, you know, preseason summer league, David Roddy, I think he could be able to contribute eventually to the three-point shooting. And I think Aldama can, 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 can do those two. More than Conchar, for sure. Um, and probably more than Laravia, from what I've seen. Um, now, if there's growth, if we see growth in those areas, and it is an if, but I think I can see those two being more consistent. Maybe not, I don't think they'll ever be the go-to guy in those areas, but I think they can be more consistent and sort of aid in that three-point shooting. But even then, I see that as like a mid-season kind of development. And that's that brings me to my got to take advantage of the easy schedule to start the season thing. Yeah, that, that's going to be huge uh, because they definitely have a favorable schedule. You're lucky that they worked out that way where, you, where mm-hmm. you're not going to have Jaron early because if that schedule was tough early, I mean, that would be tough, man, because they really need to take advantage of that to kind of get their footing um, early. So I'm hoping hoping that's the case again. Yeah, man, I'm, I just have some concerns about that second unit, um, and that's what my biggest concern is, I think, going into the season, and that plays a part of the shooting because I don't definitely don't think they have a shooting off the bench. I think that Baines is going to knock down shots, but who else is going to knock down shots? Who's going to come in in that second unit and consistently get buckets? I mean, you're going to need Tyus Jones to to be consistent offensively, and we've seen times where he's been really good, and then there are other times where he's not really a score for you. And uh, mm-hmm. these, the veteran guys are going to step up. There, there's no doubt about that. They're going to need more from those guys. And Contra, he keeps going back to Contra. I think his role is going to be really important. I, I think David's kind of downplaying it a little bit, but I think he's going to be really important. I think if this team is going to be really good, especially, again, early without Jaron. He's going to have to be a guy that's going to have to come in and, and really fill a role. You need him on both ends of the court. And, I mean, you don't project I mean, you don't think he's going to be a good defender, but he's going to have to be serviceable and he's going to have to knock down shots. And we just haven't seen that consistently. Maybe he surprises us and he is an every-night guy. He does he does it every night. He comes in and gets you 10 points every night. But we haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, think he's going to get three points. points. Like he's not going to get you ten points every night. My my deal with him, like I know that they signed him to you know they gave him the contract or whatever. He's going to have a role on this team, but I just don't see it increasing much more than what it was last year. I know that I the guys are gone, that are rotation guys that played a big part on this team, but John Conchar is he's not that guy. And if so who's going to be the guy though? Who's well, going to be that like, guy? I don't. I don't, I don't have right. the answer to that, man. But I, I'll tell you, when this team is healthy, and you move Aldama to the bench, then, then you've got. I think Santi Aldama is going to feast against second units, man. I think that he's going to be. He's going to be starting until Jaron comes back. He's going to be playing against the the highest level, like the best of the best NBA players. When when you're in the starting five, not only are you like in the top one percent of the world. But now you're in the starting five. You're like the top 1% of the NBA, and he's going to be playing against that level of competition. 
if he plays there until, you know, late November, early December, or later than that, whenever Jaron comes back, and then you move him to that bench unit, that's going to give you a weapon off of the bench. Is that enough to make up for what they lost in Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton? I don't know. We'll have to see. But I just, I, I don't think Conchar, it was, he was like 17.9 minutes last year, and he took four shots a game. Yeah, and I, and I will, kinda, I will I'll, go I'll on record to say that John Conchar is not going to average more than 20 minutes a game this year, and I don't expect his shot total to be higher than five shots a game. I just there's and may I if I'm wrong I'm wrong I'll eat it you guys can you know you can call me out on it I'm fine oh I, but I just don't like <laughs> looking at the rest of the guys on this team how can you justify giving John Conchar even like David Roddy where he's at right now like what he's doing I'd rather David Roddy take those shots and this is, man, I, I'm not crapping on Conchar. I like Conchar. I like what he brings to the team. But offense is not his thing. You need him to go out there. He rebounds very, very well for his size. You need him to rebound and play defense. That's it. Knock down an open three if he's, if he's open. And, you know, I think not that he's going to do that on a consistent enough basis that he's going to be a double-digit scorer and be enough to, you know, propel the offense whenever the, the starters are not on the floor. But I think in an 18 to 20 minutes a game role that he will be fine. I think they're going to try to play him more early. I will say this. I think he's going to get more than 20 minutes early. But I think they're going to find out very quickly that that's not going to work. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with your point at Aldama, about Aldama at all. I've even said that, that him yeah. getting those minutes, valuable minutes early in the starting lineup is going to be valuable uh, when Jaron comes back and he's coming out of the bench and he's going to be a guy that can, can play for you. I just – the fact that we're talking about a team that was second in the West last year, and we're even having a conversation that what is Contra going to give you? Can David Roddy be that guy that gives you buckets off the bench? That's not a spot that I think you should be in. That's kind of my point. Like, why are you asking these questions? Like, I don't think you should be asking those questions for a team that was at the level that they were last year. The fact that we even talk, having this conversation, I don't think we should be having to have, to have this conversation. I think they should have brought in a couple of veteran guys. It's just, that's my point. It's just a lot of questions on what this is going to look like. Because, I mean, you say Conchar is not going to be that guy. It's not that I believe that he's going to be that guy. It's almost that I think they might need him to be that guy. I mean, you can say, whatever Roddy, I mean, I, I'm very intrigued by Roddy, what he can bring. I'll but say, he's I'll a say this, help. man. If, if the Grizzlies have to have Conchar to be that guy, this team is in trouble. I don't believe I don't believe for one second that they will need him to be that guy. But I want I want to ask you I want to pose a question and we'll wrap it up. I think we've gone maybe a little over an hour already because it's it's been great conversation here. But you mentioned Dante DiVincenzo. Do you think that there is a chance with this coaching staff and what they've been able to do that one of these rookies that they brought in could bring them more production? and be a better fit for this team than a guy like Dante DiVincenzo would have been? For, for this year? Th- this I, season. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a lot to ask. I mean, this, this coaching staff has been really good when it comes to player development. There's no question about that. But I just think asking guys that you draft in that area to draft, you're talking about a guy, David Roddy, even though they took him there at the bottom, he was projected as a second-round pick. Um, and, and that, and that's not, I, I like him. I'm 
super intriguing. I think he's definitely going to be a good player and a rotation piece for this team down the line. I just don't think that you should have those expectations that early uh, for a guy that you draft in that area of draft. Everybody's not going to be banged. I think that's, and I've talked about that before. I think they people think that everybody in the Grizzlies draft late in the first round is going to be Desmond Bain, and that's just unheard of. You're not going to get guys like that at the bottom of the draft on a year-to-year-out basis. Sometimes, I don't care who you draft, none of those guys in the 20 to 30 area are going to turn the balance to be Desmond Bain year one, year two. So I think that's a lot to ask for, for those guys. I, I just, again, man, if all these questions, you come up aces on all these questions, you're fine. But there are questions about this second unit because if you're saying Conchar is not that guy, and then you say Aldama, we're talking about when Jaron comes back. What about before he comes back? When you look at that second unit, who do you feel great about that on a night in and night out consistent basis is going to be able to come in and get you as a unit? Like on the second unit, who do you feel great about that? Okay, tonight I know what this guy is going to get me off the bench. Like that's I mean, it. that's just what I'm saying, Tyus Jones. Yeah. And then even with Tyus, offensively, you don't you can't even depend on him every night. I mean, there are times where he's been awesome. I mean, get, get really scored. And other times where he really struggles, eh, when, he, when he's sometimes not even hitting his floater, I don't even know if you can count on him. And BC is a guy who, I mean, does some things for you, but he's shown some inconsistencies as well um, at, at times, especially on the offensive end. So I, I just, I don't know, man. We'll see how it works out, but I, I just, I worry about that second unit, um, especially early. I just feel like they need a veteran. There's just too many questions about that bench. I mean, you you have John Morant, so you're gonna be you're gonna be fine, but there there are some questions and I think I'm a little bit more concerned than than seems to be pretty much anybody. <laughs> we talked about the covers this team or fans of this team. I just have some concerns. I hope I'm dead wrong. Um but I, I think the team will be fine. I said forty seven wins, top five. I, I just feel like their ceiling isn't quite as high this year. Maybe these moves that they made, you bring in five rookies in the future but maybe height and extends their championship window. But for this particular year right now, I don't feel as good as I felt going into the playoffs last year. I mean, I think that's, that's fine. Like I, I think I would agree with that as well. That This team in the playoffs, like heading into the playoffs last year was significantly better than this team is right now. But the, you know, the good news is we got 82 games to play. Yeah, so, for sure. You know, maybe they can get back to the level where we got some confidence in them whenever, you know, when it comes time. And there's a lot of stuff that has to happen between now and then. And, you know, climbing don't miss, right? Like, is it all hell keep climbing? He don't miss? No, man. Outside of uh, the, the Justice Winslow and, and um, uh, what's the what's the, what's the the European uh, guy's name that we have on the team? Um, God, I'm drawing Guterich. a blank. What is wrong with me? Is yeah, that, is... Marco Guterich. Yeah, those are the, kind yeah. of the only two things that you could kind of say a negative on. I mean, they, people talk about yeah, the, those are very Saudi, low risk. And a very low man. risk. Rate. People talk yeah. about Saudi Aldama. That's looking like that might even be a hit now. So, I mean, they, that is right. When, they, when it comes to climbing, man, they don't miss much. I just think when you say missing, I don't think these guys necessarily have to be what they're going to be this year in order for them to not say that they're not missing. That That's kind of where I'm yeah, on that. And I think you don't... Roddy, I think Roddy, I'm super intrigued by Roddy, what he's going to be two or three years from now. I just don't know, should you be in a position that you have to depend on him being something close to that this year? That's kind of my thoughts. Yeah, you, you don't need him. Like, you don't need any of these guys to be Desmond Bain. Because, like, your starting lineup is set. Your primary rotation, like, seven 
at least seven of your playoff rotation players are set. Like they know who they are. They know if everybody is healthy, John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Steven Adams, Dylan Brooks, Zaire Williams, Tyus Jones, BC, eight. Eight out of ten, which, I mean, those guys, that that's your playoff rotation right there. So you don't need these guys to come in and be Desmond Bain in order to have that level of success. But you need production from them in order to even have playoff success because if these guys are not producing some – this team's going to be in trouble. The The West is tougher. Um, you know, we mentioned that number of different teams that have improved. So it's going to be a tough year. I, I think that, you know, not a tough year in the sense that I think they're going to really struggle, but like things are going to have to go right for them to be in a good spot. Candace, we've been talking over you for a while here. Do you got anything you want to add before we get out of here? No, nah, man. I'm just curious about how the season's going to start off. Uh, really hoping that they can get off to a good start. I, I do think that's part of the reason why these starters play some minutes. I think the coaching staff is hoping the same thing. So hopefully we'll see this work. I um, mean, they played all those minutes, and um, maybe we could see some see them get going early and get some momentum going because uh, that'll be important. And I was going to say a couple things I did want to mention before we get out of here, man. Shout out to Kennedy Chandler tonight, man. I was really impressed with his minutes. Like, I've been a big fan because anyway, going back to high school, but Showing that on-ball defense tonight, man. Down the line, I definitely think he's going to be a player for this team. Maybe when, when Tyus, if, if Tyus moves on in a couple of years, um, I, I think he's going to be ready to step in and be that backup point guard because he just works super hard. Like I said, I know him going back to high school. He's going to put in the work. And speaking of that, the hustle is going to be loaded, man. They made two more signings today. Brought back EJ Onu um, is a guy that me and David both liked um, in, in the draft process. Super athlete, uh, raw. Uh, but but a guy that I feel like with that length, um, and that size could protect to be a player for you one day. And I also brought uh, Romeo Wings uh, as a guy who uh, was Mr. Basketball. Revan mentioned that uh, on the broadcast tonight in Michigan uh, back in his high school days. Athletic, big wing at six seven, two ten. He's been with the Grizzlies for a couple years now in, in summer league and uh, been with the hustle. Also brought Matthew Hurt back on uh, Duke, another guy that I like that can really shoot the basketball at six eight six nine defense. Is going to be the question with him and brought back Sean McDermott. Uh, my Grizzly fans are familiar with him. Uh, so that hustle team is going to be fun, man. Going to have Kenneth Lofton Jr. down there, Vince Williams. Um, another guy, Lester Keonis, was surprisingly released from the Warriors Day, former Memphis Tiger. Man, I wouldn't mind them taking a look at him, man. I think he projects as a good player. I'm surprised because he played really well for them in Summer League and even some in the preseason. I'm not sure what's going on there. He was signed to a two-way contract and they let him, let him go. So just some housekeeper stuff there man but get get down there and see the hustle man i think that's going to be a fun team this year definitely gonna be a lot of people worth watching down there for sure we appreciate you guys tuning in we will be back wednesday i, I don't know that we're going to get together before the preseason or before the regular season opener this is the last preseason game for the grizzlies so try to get revenue in here sometimes sometime very soon so, yeah, so be hey, on man, the if, we, if we can get him in before the season opener, that'd be yeah great. Our, our clock the window is very small here but that'd be fantastic i'm I'm here for it if we can. So you guys can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA D Will 2-1. Yep. You can find me on Twitter at Candace H901. Take us out, Isaac. Yeah, man. Just go over to at Ethos Grizzlies, man. Give us a like and a follow. We definitely appreciate that. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. I-S-A-A-C underscore underscore NBA. And again, man, we're going to try to get Reverend Knight uh, was our first guest here for the season. Definitely going to have more guests throughout the season. So be locked in for that, man, because we're going to have a 
great season here on, with, with Sports Ethos and the Grizzlies. So be on the lookout for all of that. And, again, man, opening night, Wednesday, 6.30, Nash televised game where ESPN and FedEx form. They released the, the schedule, man, all kind of stuff, man. They got uh, uh, Kirk Whalem's going to do the national anthem. The saxophonist here from Memphis, man, he's always fantastic. Uh, we got NLE Thomas going to perform before the game. We got Project Pad at halftime and all kinds of stuff going on, man. So it's going to be a fun night out there for him, but make sure you keep it locked here to keep those grits. We got covered, and until next time, we go. And that will conclude our Sports Ethos presentation.